1: Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson.
0: All righty, everybody, here we go again. Let me knock on my desk for good luck. don't know why I did that. But anyway, today we have another badass, kick-ass, dope-ass podcast. Today we are going to be talking with fellow Iowan Gary Faith about a variety of different topics. This is a straight-up BS session. We're going to be talking about uh, preparations for this upcoming hunting season. We're going to talk about his farm, how he hunts it, some of the deer on his property, and then we're going to transition into uh, some western elk hunting trips that he's taken over the uh, past couple years and uh, talk about how he is now not only addicted with whitetails on the western part of Iowa where he lives, but also addicted to heading out west for western hunts every year as well and uh, that's what this podcast is about it's just a hodgepodge of hunting stories hunting related topics i mean it's a straight up bs session and if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a while you know that these uh, bs sessions are awesome to listen to and can go in just about any direction So that is what we're going to be doing on today's podcast. But before we get started on today's podcast, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Ozonics. Now, you guys, if if you followed this podcast or followed me on social media, you know that I am a huge fan of Ozonics, right? And uh, if you don't know what Ozonics is, it's a little unit you put in the tree, you turn it on and it creates O3. Now, the O3 drops down, which is ozone, it drops down over top of your scent profile, right? You point it downwind, and that O3 disrupts your scent profile. It attacks odor, and it kills scent. So, long story short, it kills what you smell like. It disrupts that. So, further on down the the scent profile after your scent has been distorted, the odor has been killed, you don't smell like anything. Uh, And if you do smell like anything, it's severely distorted. Uh, The deer don't know what it is. I've had deer downwind that are clueless to what happens. Um, This is not a magic pill that You know, you buy one of these things, and the deer will just hop in the tree stand with you, hop in the bed of your truck. That's not how how it works. But what it does do is it allows you, through your scouting, and through good tree stand placement, to be more aggressive on the wind that you're trying to hunt. And if those winds tend to cut a little harder than what you think, uh, I the way I hunt, it's I feel very comfortable with an ozonix in the tree. It allows me to be a little bit more aggressive in my tree stand locations. Uh and I'm not really worried about deer busting me downwind because the ozonex is taking care of that for me. It's almost like it's it's got my back in the tree stand. So um if you guys have never dabbled in ozone and feel that this year is the year to do it, I strongly suggest picking up an Ozone. Man, it's one of those products that I have used now, actually since the company was even started, and it is a product now that I will go into the tree with probably every hunt for the rest of my life. So uh, definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, If you guys are looking for a... Ozonix to buy, you're in luck because Ozonix is offering $75 off all orders over $400. And so you go to the Ozonix website and you enter the discount code 9Fingers17. That's the number 9, followed by the word Fingers17, no spaces, and you will receive $75 over all orders. All over $400. So $75 off all orders over $400. So that's a really good savings. And uh, check it out. Take advantage of that discount uh, discount code. And not only do they offer products for in the tree stand, but they also offer their dry wash bag, which is perfect for throwing a unit in there and saturating your clothing with O. Oh, ozone, uh, kills the odor and you end up washing your clothes, your hunting clothes less throughout the, uh, throughout the hunting season. Uh, At least that's how I use it. So go check out, uh, in Ozonics today. I'm a huge fan with all that said, let's get into today's BS session podcast with Gary Faith from Iowa. Alright, everybody, welcome back. On the phone with me right now, a fellow Iowan, Mr. Gary Faith. How you doing today, Gary? I'm doing good.
1: Doing well, good.
0: Have you uh you got any trail cameras out?
1: Yeah, I think oh six or seven. Uh they just keep dying and so I I haven't been buying new ones. It seems like the ones we purchased that were new three years ago are kinda Just dying on us, so our numbers and cameras are falling pretty quick.
0: Anything good on camera?
1: Yeah, this last poll was was awesome. (laughs) Like mature deer, you know, no like just big clean eights, like kickers. We got some junk. One's got a big split three. Like just, I mean, yeah. You're happy is what you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, (laughs) it's, we've been on this farm for going on a decade now and it's so consistent in that, you know, they'll show up in August in a big group and then they'll all start to disband. And then, you know, we hold a lot of does. We got great bedding. We're CRP now. And so we got, I don't know how many doe families, you know, 10 or 12 or more and they'll just, you know, come end of October, early November, here they come. Daylight, yeah. you know, not kernel yeah. until that point. And then... I, you know. I
0: witnessed something uh, sometime around mid-September where all these, you know, obviously the Bachelor groups start breaking up, but it's not, like, I, I hate the word lull, right? The October lull. I think that's bullshit. But the... I think there's something that happens as soon as that velvet comes off. Somewhere between... Uh, The first week in, like, say the second or third week in September, where I live, where there's a redistribution of bucks. Some come in, some go out. Do you witness anything like that on your properties about this about this time of year?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. You know, that's you have your good areas that are always good, and if you kill one buck out of that area, you know, you give it a year or two. And there'll be another one back in there using the same patterns, you know, it's, yeah. there's so much topography where we're at, you know, yeah. I, I listened to a podcast with the guy from driven that Pat Reese and he yeah. hunted over here once and He referred to us as the really steep little Hills. He says, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> I just, you know, but they are though. I mean, they're not really big, but you're talking elevation change of maybe a hundred feet, but yeah. relatively steep, you know, in the canyons, like like they breathe you know it don't matter what wind you have they like it comes in and then it goes out and so these deer know where to move where to get the wind where they you know so it's like yeah without a doubt they they redistribute they'll come in you'll see big groups of them come in and then you won't see them again and then as the fall comes along you'll say you know one o'clock in the morning he'll come on you know and then you know 10 o'clock in the morning for whatever reason here comes another one and you know there's areas where we can leave a camera right now and not pick up anything right. but you put it in there the first of november and you'll get a buck coming through there every night you know so it's i don't right. know right
0: it's so fickle. what part of iowa do you live in i mean we had your we had your brother on the podcast man i don't even know how long ago it was it's been a while but uh, yeah but what let everybody know what part of Iowa you live in and explain maybe in a little bit more detail the terrain type up there.
1: Well I live in Ottawa and so it sits between uh, what is it Omaha and Sioux City so I'm right in the middle there but there's a band of hills they refer to as the Lost Hills or the Los Hills but it's a special type of soil for whatever reason but It comes from glacial drift, and there's a story behind it. But there's these little bluffs that run along this great big river canyon, you know, and it's a big flat. It's where the glacier receded, essentially, but it's right along the western border of Iowa, right where Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota meet. And it's just these nasty little hills, you know, and they're anywhere from 3 to 15 miles wide. And... Some of it's farmed, but most of it's deep enough. You really can't, so it's a lot of hardwood and, you know, back cuts and areas. It's like three-mile sections, you know, right. or bigger where, you know, just not divided. And so it, it just – it's just
0: – yeah, it's incredible, you know. It's right. really hard to describe it. Right. So you have a little pocket there, you know, because when a lot of people uh, discuss Iowa, they pretty much – The Mecca is like south of Interstate 80 and east of basically Interstate 35. You can go west uh, a little bit more of Interstate 35, but south of 80, roughly east of 30, uh, 35. And that's that that Mecca. But you guys are doing it way out west. You have a pocket. How many counties encompasses that area that you're discussing? You know, it runs all the way from Minnesota to Missouri. Okay. And so and basically so the whole that western. Missouri River Valley.
1: Yeah, if you were to look at a map, it cuts with the Missouri River, essentially, you know, because you get north of us here into about Akron, and that's where Iowa meets South Dakota, and then the hills will turn, you know, and that's where I grew up hunting. So, you know, we grew up hunting. If it's brown, it's down, like type of bow hunter. have been bow hunting my whole life. And then I move into this different area and start hunting, and all of a sudden I'm seeing these, you know, deer, like, whoa, this is way bigger than anything I've ever seen before, right. you know, like what is with this area. And there's, like, some theories on it. You heard of Geophagy, I believe it's called, but it's, like, the science of minerals in the dirt. Right? Right. And they say that there's a higher calcium level in this dirt that's here. And so through consumption, by some means, some people say that, you know, I know there's some areas down here that you're in and you're out. They're shooting one eighty, one ninety, you know, whatever it is. And we're not doing that, you know, yeah. but it, it's the here, you know, and you
0: get that just that special little area, but it's right. Well know, and it, that's a good and that's what makes Iowa, certain parts of Kansas, Illinois, and Ohio really, even up into Wisconsin and some parts of Minnesota, the big buck capitals and it, it depends on who you talk with but the midwest and in the fertile soil that goes in that you know we all have throughout the midwest that is what keeps you know whatever you just said whatever that word was and a lot of people right. agree, <laughs> you know agree on that 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 just brings that gen, you know that genetics if you look at genetics as a cup of water and that soil and good food and all that stuff fills that right. grass all and the way cover. Up so they, yep, yep. and cover yep. and it reach they can reach their potential. Uh, that exactly. along with, uh, I know in Iowa, a lot less hunters than compared to some of these other States.
1: Right. You know, and it's become so coveted that, you know, it's only, it seems like hindering disease, you know, thank God we haven't, like I've been seeing it on the internet and it's just, <laughs> I don't right. want anything to do with it and we've been looking and haven't found any yet but it's just if you let that herd grow i mean with the, all the things they need as much nutrition and all that you, you decrease that social stress as that juries talk about and as the grant woods talk about like i don't know if that bronson strickland that you guys are talking to yep. um say, saying how the fawn Born under less than optimal conditions is genetically predisp- like predisposed to not grow any bigger. Like, yeah. but if you displace that one generation with that same doe under good conditions with optimal feed, they're going to spit out the same size buck. You know that it, it was inferior one generation before. So it's.
0: Right.
1: I think it's just a perfect storm to. But you look all across the state and you like these counties where it's 99% farmland and they're still shooting big deer, or you yeah. go across the river 30 miles where they can hunt with a rifle in the rut and they're still yeah. shooting 170s and 180s. Yeah. You know, it's
0: like they're just smarter than we are. <laughs> 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 you know? Oh, yeah. doesn't uh, it make you feel like shit some years where you're just like, it does. This, it animal, this animal, it can't read, it can't write. It can't drive a car. It can't like all these things. I mean, it ha- – but then you find out, you know, its nose tells it what to do. It lives and dies by this, it, you know. Like our our eyes and our brain. Like our brain is the most powerful thing that we have, right? And it allows us to make decisions. You know, with all the senses, its nose is basically its brain. You know, it its nose makes decisions for it. So. Uh, anyway, what I'm getting at is uh, they can really do a good job of making us seem like idiots sometimes. Yeah, looking like a
1: fool and being one day behind. It's, mm-hmm. Man, that's the story of last year. Is one day behind. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, there they are. Oh,
0: <laughs> dang it! <laughs> so,
1: but it's just it's the hunt, you know.
0: Yeah. So before we get into the uh, the rest of the podcast. We know we know you live in uh, Western Iowa, along the uh, in the Lowes Hills area. Uh, what do you do for a living, man? I'm a tile layer, so I T- do L- tile
1: floors and build okay. custom tiled showers
0: and have all that oh, kind nice. of fancy stuff. I really hope my uh, yeah. wife doesn't listen to this episode that's great have tools no. will travel i'm just well, i figured right, this right. as an opportunity no, to throw that out there quick but. <laughs> yeah right right and my wife will be like hey why don't you get that guy to come over and uh, redo yeah. our bathrooms i'm like oh,
1: yeah i just got geez. back from kiwani illinois i went over there and did a shower for the buddy I mean, oh really so
0: you traveled across yeah. the entire state to go oh down. yeah
1: yeah well i lived in cedar rapids for i don't know how long four or five years and that's really where I kind of built, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm self-employed, and this is my yeah. company, so that's, and I do it so I can hunt, and, you know, right. I'm I pu- I'm not going to pull any punches in that respect, it's, you know, right. I hunt well, a lot, way more than I ever should, and right. so, and the only thing that's going to stop me anymore is that I have to raise money to raise children now,
0: <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> <those> damn kids. <laughs> you um, know,
1: I love my kids, I do, but they're expensive, and oh, so it's. Yeah. And it's require a constant flow of money rather yeah. than pooling it and living off you know and taking right. five, six weeks to go right. And, and you know, just oh,
0: ridiculous. I got a buddy who lives in Wisconsin and he is I'm trying to think, I think he owns his own concrete company. Um and he tells people right off the bat, he's like, We work and well, he got into the business because of hunting. So I, he will work from roughly, I think it's March or April all the way through. And he works a lot of hours, you know, a lot of, does a lot of jobs, bids out a lot of jobs. And then he hits somewhere around uh, October, like the first two weeks of October, maybe he works. And then he is done. He, he hunts, he hunts. The last two weeks of October, all of November, all of December, for the most part, January. He, then he shed shed hunts. He goes to different states if he tags out in Wisconsin. So, um, and he, he lays off all of his employees. So they collect um,
1: whatever. They collect the yeah, unemployment.
0: There's yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. time like, to be
1: th- said, though, in time in the field. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, well, he, does his the field. Jo-
0: he does his job, too, man. He kills.
1: Yeah, I went, so I I went to the Bahamas two years ago, and that was, coincidentally, the first year that I went for uh, this elk trip, and I got paid ridiculous money, long story short, but, like, I went there, and I was a laborer for a guy locally, and we tore apart an oven, it was crazy, but I came home with, like, 10 grand, (laughs) I was like, all right, well, I need that nice ring gear, I think, and I'm gonna get (laughs) me that nice backpack, (laughs) And Absolutely. so I went out there first year, looking pretty nice on the mountain. Nice, nice. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, just all, like I was saying with tile there, but I, you know, I'm all about like general around construction. We just build stuff, and but emphasis yeah. on tile
0: and finish work and stuff like that. And but, so, but your work took you to the Bahamas, like some guy. Well, like, hey, it's I'll, a long how, yeah. How
1: well, it's Bahamas. like my brother-in-law called me up and said this guy will pay you 500 bucks a day. And you'll stay in an all-inclusive resort, and he'll cover the entire bill, flight, everything. And, you know, we got to go down there, and I don't know what we're going to do. I was like, let's do it. <laughs> and so we got a passport. I hopped on it. was the first time I ever flown commercially. I hopped on a plane, and we went to the Bahamas. And I spent 13 days working in, like, 120-degree weather oh. inside of an oven running a blowtorch. Like, it was like – like 18 to 20 hour days we got one day off which was nice but you know but i'd do it again <laughs>
0: you know, for, for money like that it's like heck shoot. yeah, heck yeah. You know. well i want to talk a little i want to get back into this uh this iowa property that uh that you hunt you mentioned you mentioned uh it's in that hilly area is there What's the divide or first off how many acres is this is this property that you hunt on
1: Well my old man's farm is 320 okay and it's div- divided up into 40 acre parcels and so it's a big L okay and it runs uh, if you look at it it run north south for 160 or 100 and or 200 acres and then runs east west at the bottom of the L towards the left or another you know i don't know how much that is Uh, right but so it's divided by a road which isn't awesome but at the same time we found that when it's all going down it's like that road ain't there you know yeah it's just it's crazy so that's been if you think okay i need to go over this hill or i need to get clear back in this corner and a lot of times you're just bumping deer trying to get to it like all the information i've been gathering from you guys like access is the number one reoccurring theme through you talked to all these pros and it's access 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 and like i'm right. still honestly trying to figure out the best access to get into certain places you know yeah
0: so what what's the terrain like on this uh property how's it it's you, I, you big ridges it's big big, out now. yeah
1: Yeah, um, the big, the north-south on the right-hand side and left-hand, it's like a big bowl. So it's got ridges that run north-south on either side, and then it has ridges that come off of those ridges that run east-west. And then if you go over the hill, there's another big bowl with some ag. If you go over the other hill, there's a big bowl with some ag. And so it's just big, big spines that run north, south, and east, west. And they're cedar-choked quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of walnut. There's oaks. Um, the, the mast is, you know, I'm not most years I'm not counting on acorns for much. Yeah. Um, and, and we've done food plots, but, you know, both successfully and unsuccessfully. Is there and, ag around yeah. your area? yeah corn and beans more beans this year it seems we're surrounded by beans uh but we had 53 acres that we did have uh, leased for rotation crop but as of last year that was taken out and put into the pollinator program and so uh, now we're just a great big bedroom like we gotta mow it though and so when you mow it they're grazing on it way better you're seeing way more deer in it versus when when they grow up clearly but
0: so Now, at the beginning of the program, you mentioned that your property holds a lot of does. Now, does your property hold a lot of bucks, too? Because I have have certain properties where there are no bucks hitting my mineral station on this one particular piece of property. But come late October the nocturnal pictures start popping up. Here's here's one coming in. They're typically young. And then by the time the first week in November hits, some big boys are making their way because they know historically that that is a, you know, that's a bedroom for all these does. Is is it consistent across the board as far as, you know, is it more does than bucks or is it kind of like a 50-50 split? It's all based on time of year is what I think I found. Um,
1: We're our own worst enemy in that we enjoy being on our property, you know, and so like we got grandkids and kids, and so, you know, there's four-wheelers buzzing around and whatnot, and we ride horses. And so, I mean, it, it sees its fair share of pressure in our own respect. And the one thing that we really do have going is everybody on every fence line is on the same page like they all want to shoot the biggest buck in the woods yeah. you know and if they don't they're like oh i got pretty excited on that one because there's a lot of really good looking three-year-old deer here Like, <laughs> yeah. i I cannot say i haven't been victim to it <laughs> you yeah. know? Like, I, i've killed some really nice deer on the farm but i've also been like I like blackout sometimes or, you know right. just auto cruise control and i just waylaid that thing and then you stand yeah. over it you're like Ain't the one I thought it was you know but yeah
0: like <laughs> hey like what like what I said at the beginning before we started recording I was like uh I got a three year old this year yeah, I hope he makes it but I hope I don't even see him while I'm sitting in the tree stand because if he walks <laughs> by you know a hundred a hundred and fifty five hundred and sixty inch oh, 3 year old is pretty mouth watering,
1: <laughs> yeah just got your heart gets to pumping so bad and you just like, you know, and it's there, there's a story to it. You know, this was like day five on this, and it's like stand move number three, northwest wind. Like, okay, I have it dialed in. I know, and this buck is coming at 10 o'clock. Like, I am certain yeah. of that. So, 10 o'clock, here comes footsteps, and I see a pretty nice, you know, right hand side. And I'm like, well, oh, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's just I'm making excuses, but, yeah. you know, absolutely. It's, but it's fun it is it's just they're there you know and it's like I think a truly a guy that's what's so cool about trail cameras is I think I have to know the deer like in the and if I don't know the deer like without the clarity you know like yeah.
0: absolutely I shouldn't probably shoot it you know right and so so you mentioned yeah. uh talking with your uh your neighbors were kind of on the same page do you do you have a good relationship with your neighbors? Do you guys share uh, information with one another about bucks that are on the property? I mean, do you guys have an open discussion about what's getting shot? No,
1: <laughs> no, I wouldn't look at it as a QDMA co-op or anything like that. Uh, like I, the guy who butts into us from the, I guess it'd be the east um really nice fellow and he happens to run the dump locally and so it's like got to know him uh the guy that hunts to us on the south i actually was selling his stand on craigslist and like you know oh hey where do you hunt oh right there like okay yeah well that's our farm right there you know and he's like we're just all about great big deer you know and then the farm that would be to the west um young man and his dad own it and they're doing food plots managing for big bucks, you know, and if you get to the North, it's same deal, <laughs> you know, and then to right. the, then there's a Haven where there's a fella here that, you know, he hunts every now and again. And, but like, and so it's just, and it's huge, you know, it's like yeah. a 1200 acre section.
0: of just so managed. I mean, everybody yeah. that has the same, you know, That's kind of, you know, that's cool that, you know, people, you know, I'm sure on those farms, there's instances of maybe like a kid or, well, yeah, exactly. And and, he, you know, and the one guy with the stand
1: that even mentioned that, you know, it's like, I got kids and, and then you gotta have that.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, you have to have that and you can't pass any judgment on anything. Right, right,
0: and I don't want this to sound, you know, for the for the listeners out there, I don't want this to sound like, uh, you know, guys like us are on some kind of high horse. We just have different circumstances, uh, for you know, good circumstances that we have the ability to pass three year old deer, you know, pass, it, you know, and and try for a bigger. You know an older age class, which typically means bigger antlers
1: right yeah it's so, just all about maturity, really, and like right. that's just the you get back to that perfect storm and it's right. like this buck is a good deer, and he looks like a good deer, but imagine like we okay, we have a buck last year that was awesome, really nice, clean eight point curled brow, awesome buck, broke everything off and gouged an eye out, and so he comes back this next year, put thirty inches on him. And we've been this Jeez. is we've been following him for uh, at, since three, and so he's six this year. And it's like who'd ever have guessed that? And it's like stickers, kickers, ridiculous mass, you know, like <laughs> whoa, <laughs> you know. But warm winter last winter, lot really survivable winter, early green up, you know, pretty steady rain throughout. Like you, there's a trend out west where they, you know, you look in accordance to the rainfall how much antler growth is there going to be? What was the snow pack? You know, right. how, it's like, and you can incorporate that with how big of an average the elk are going to be or the mule deer. And yeah. there's gotta be the same deal here.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, where I was at in the farm where I do most of my hunting in, in uh, Eastern Iowa, Southeast Iowa, you know, there might've been a week with snow on the ground. Other than that, there, were, you know, it got to it was the average of mid mid to high 30s the entire winter yeah there were some really bad uh breaks where you know you had your below but there wasn't below t- freezing temperatures but the the ground was still open so these deer right. had food the entire year they didn't have to struggle for it because they weren't digging through snow uh right. and um early green up I was, was was a huge is a huge thing i mean we uh, buds were buds in the timber were you know in march already so we had we had this warm weather and i can tell you right now just from checking my trail cameras and comparing bucks from this year to last year same bucks from this year to last year um the the average gain for just on inches, you know, you're basing it off inches uh, is is ridiculous. It's one of the biggest jumps I've I've seen since I've been running trail cameras for, for deer growth in the antler department. And a lot of that has to do with mild winters and plenty of food during the antler growing season.
1: Look, I, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. But it's also like, you know, it's easy for... Like that Shane Mahoney, man, he's just got me, (laughs) I'm telling you. But the whole concept of human, at one point, was a hunter-gatherer, you know. At one point, we were in tune with nature and where, you know, we even have parts of our body that don't work anymore because, you know, like a gallbladder, you know, like we ate raw meat. We chased these animals because we had to. You know, and, like, you think about the idea of instincts and this wild animal, they're just on a whole different level. You know, the hex suit, I don't endorse the hex suit, I don't use it, but the idea of that sixth sense, you know, they're able yeah. to, you know, and, like, even me walking through the woods the way the birds behave or the insects, and, you know, it's, like, its they know, <laughs> you know, like yeah. and they're on a whole different wavelength than we'll ever be able to touch. Right. And so it's... Mm, it's just uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but you <laughs> it's, it's, what you're trying to
0: say is it's awesome.
1: <laughs> it's awesome. It's it, <laughs> it, you know it's I, I got kids now and I'm raising kids and I'm thinking about their future and sustainability and you know it's like I want to spread his message as much as anything and you know in right. the voice of not putting these like hero shots with a bloody animal or being, you know, like shooting a squirrel in the head and putting it on Facebook or, you know, like let let's all put a positive spin on hunting so that we can pass it on to our children and we can pass it on to our children's children. You know, cause we're such, it's so easy to take for granted because you surround yourself with people that with like interests. And so of course, everybody I know hunts, you know, but there are a lot of people that nobody hunts in their circle to get on the internet and see that you know joe blow like you know who knows what you know got awful things and it's like hunters are horrible people you know but we're not like we're if there's one binding factor to my family it is hunting you know it has brought us closer together as a family You know, in the falls, my mom loves the falls. You know, should we have this house out in the hills here? And everybody comes down at slumber party, you know, and she just loves it. You know, without that, you know, and so many people don't understand that. And I just wish that, you know, these are, we eat these animals, you know, and they're good. Like elk spaghetti tonight, you know, like wild free game. Yeah. Was, I harvested myself and brought off a mountain twelve miles from the truck. Like that's like, crazy, you know. And then I want to say, you got to quit bashing horses for elk hunting for us fat Iowans. That <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get was, after these animals, I was bashing <laughs> horse riding. Well, you say you're looking for outfit or for hunters that not on horseback. Like, come on, man, I'm working. we hunt
0: off horse no it's all good i don't i don't remember i don't remember saying it but if i did i did i uh um uh i would i would do a horse outfitted hunt someday probably not right off the bat because i uh like i'm gonna try to do some like diy stuff you know do the hard stuff now uh but maybe you know i'll make it a little easier on myself with a with a guide and some, you know, some horses in the future, when uh, my knees have, you know, when I have to actually have my real legs amputated and put uh, robot legs on, that's the only way I'll be moving around.
1: Well, I'm just telling you that we're all, we're young now. You know, how old are you, Dan?
0: Thirty-six. I, I never
1: figured it. thirty-six. Yeah, I'm thirty-three, yep. and I can already feel it. I'm like, especially <laughs> inside of what I do, you know. It's, so it's right. like I look at my old man he's like oh my back hurts you know <laughs> just like i need to hunt right now <laughs> right now, now. Like, right. <laughs> you know, let's, let's do these hard hunts you know like that, so last year i killed a bull in idaho and so without the horses it would not have happened you know like yeah. it was the third trip up that face that like before 10 30 or 11 o'clock which is like 800 elef- elevation gain maybe a thousand you know and then we got that animal out, broke down and out in less than four hours. Yeah. It was like, holy cow. Like yeah. I, I, Cause I was like, you know, you get yourself all stoked and pumped up to go out there and you know, I'm doing weighted backpack hikes and I'm, you know, conditioning myself. Right. And then you get out there and you pick up a hind quarter on one of these animals and you say, <laughs> Oh my goodness, what have <laughs> I gotten myself into?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I, I tell this story all the time. But when I went out on that Idaho uh, hunt with Mark, well, this was a handful of years ago, I get out of the truck, right? And we didn't have any acclimation time. We drove straight there uh, all through the night, got to the truck or got to the trailhead, you know, or got to the town, bought our tag, drove out to the trailhead, packed up, no waiting, then started hiking right up the mountain. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm telling you right now, I, it was down th- into a valley and up the first hill. I'm like, you know what? I feel pretty good. And then I dropped down one more hill and then up on, on my way up on the next hill is when it hit me. And I was just like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm going to die. Like yeah, I, totally. I had to literally, <laughs> you're going to think this is crazy, but I literally had to Talk to myself to motivate myself to keep going. No, without a doubt. And without Mark, a doubt. Mark at one point was like, "Dude, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." And I'm just like, "Come on, you pussy, keep going, keep going. You can do this. This is this is easy. You're a you're weak. You're a joke. You know, just keep going." You know, and I was just like repeating the same shit over and over and over, and that's what that's what actually got me through that that day is basically I was shaming myself verbally right. <laughs> to, so to continue. Worthless. Right. To, and I even <laughs> trained, right? I, even, right. Well, I, I mean, it was some of the best shape from, of my life. Yeah, the thinner air
1: and just the acclimation. And, you know, and one thing that I found is you can't drink enough water. Like, and you need to preload your body to so where right. you're drinking as much water as you can handle before you even go out there. Because that's where I'm dying is I get cramps in my legs and my feet will cramp up because, I, I mean, it just, you're breathing and you're just expelling all that moisture out of your body, breathing, and then you're sweating like a hog, you know, and it's just, and you're going hard because you're pumped up, right. you know, you're running on adrenaline, and it's just right. like, you know, we got, so we got the bowl down, I was jacked out of my brain, and we go up this steep, steep little knife thing, and I get to the top. I sat down and both my legs cramped up and pulled clean up into my butt. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh boy. <That's> <laughs> you know, but it's, but it, it just, it'll eat you, you know? And so right. you just have to prepare for it you know. And as Why good I... a shape as you can possibly be in is one of the things that it, it's more enjoyment. Like sure. You could right. be out there, but on day four, your legs are going to feel a lot better.
0: Right. You know? right. I, uh, had a buddy who moved out into uh, some pretty high elevation, uh oh man, west of Denver in, in the Rockies. And he was telling me that just moving there, he for like the first two weeks that, you know, his body was getting seriously acc- acclimated to a higher elevation, he was drinking so much water and he wasn't even out up in the quote unquote high country. He was just at like the, the standard elevation where all the roads are at. And then he's like, I couldn't sleep at night because I was so thirsty, you know, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't peeing and that was just getting used. that, that higher elevation just peels it out of you. Yeah. And it's such an arid environment.
1: I mean, it's realistically a desert type environment. And so it just, it does, it just pulls it out. And if, as soon as you get behind, I mean, you have to be conscious of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's so many, like, you hear so many people coming home on day three, you know, yeah. or day and like, you get so pumped up and you pay the fuel. You know, we drag five horses or four horses out there, two trucks. I and mean, that's like a thousand bucks in fuel, you know, yeah. right. <laughs> you know we're, it's nice to split it up, but let's go. I mean, let's yeah. like, okay. So first year, the old boy I went with animal, this guy is an animal. Yeah. Got drug off the horse and broke his leg day oh, five. five you know so he comes back to camp and i gotta tell i have to he's an animal <laughs> he's 62 years old and he's like he plays a I'll, like i'll call like a magical flute man he called in he's called in a bull for me every set <laughs> like, yeah. i couldn't believe it you know like this is not realistic expectations you know but he uh Comes back, gets drug off the horse, goes back to town, gets the supplies he was originally going there to get. And it took him three trips into the gas station because he kept forgetting. And so he comes back, gets back on the horse, rides 10 miles back out to camp, and is like, I'm going to sleep it off. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> but his leg was broken. It was broken. You know, he got stepped on by this horse, you know. And so we get up the next morning, I look at it. And he's just staggering on camp i was like damn we gotta go home man and it's like i don't care like this is like a, your leg is really messed up <laughs> you know? and so we went home you know and like that next morning we were supposed to go to the saddle that i inevitably killed that bull out of last year you know so there's so much anticipation you know but it's like in a situation like that <laughs> we got him out and then he did establish a clot in his leg, you know? And so if you're 10 miles back and this man strokes out, like, Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you
0: know? So Jeepers. you brought your own horses, right? Cor- correct. Yeah. So were your horses affected by altitude because they were in a, you know, they were probably born and raised in lower elevation.
1: It, it, you know, if they were, you wouldn't notice it. They're, they're so incredibly strong. It's, it's unreal we we run tennessee walkers and i mean big horses like, yeah in the neck and his mane and like we have one that's a stud that we, his name's raider and then we have raider's son named chewy. and chewy then we have a quarter horse named cj who brings up the rear and is always eating grass and like you know that's my horse so, yeah <laughs> come on let's go <laughs> you know? but old raider i have never i've never seen him slow down you know and yeah. so and and, and we're working them, and we actually, I don't know, rent a horse, or whatever you want to call it, but we borrowed a horse from a fellow, like a mutual friend that I've been trying to, I, I'm by no means like a horseman, you know, but I've been trying to be familiarized with them and saddling them and riding them, and, you know, and so, yeah, I can imagine that they do have some acclimation, but they handle it really well. They just eat.
0: All it yeah. does is eat. Oh, and their lungs are, you know, twice the size of a human's lung, if not bigger. Right. And they yeah, have and a like, huge heart that pumps blood through their body yeah. at a higher rate. So.
1: Yeah, and then it's not as though we're running them, you know. And, yeah. and so, like, they get quite a bit of downtime
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: while we're there.
0: Right, sure. right. So, when you... When you go out west, um, are you hunting on public ground, or do, are you got an outfitter, or
1: no, you, uh, do it yourself, public land, um,
0: archery, right? Th- archery, yeah. Okay, all right. So when you like, this is gonna be your third or fourth year going. This would sure. be our third year. Okay, so your third year, your first year, when you when you decided, hey, I wanna I wanna try to go on a archery elk hunt. How did that process start? And you know, what research did you do? What, you know, who did you communicate? Uh, what did you do to find out information of where you wanted to go hunting?
1: This is where I'm just as dirty rotten is Dan, this fellow that I go with is my future wife's uncle. And Dan lived out there Um, and been hunting this particular area for coming up on a decade, you know, and had been traveling out there with a different group. And, uh, long story short, they butted heads over some things and Dan didn't want to go with that group anymore. And so he reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to go elk hunting? And I said, yes. (laughs) And so, Uh, yes, (laughs) you know, and that, and from that point forward, he actually, he mailed me, of gear list of all the things that i should bring he mailed me two or three different elk calls and all his eastman hunting magazines (laughs) you know he's like here learn 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 you know and so and he had a particular area that he knew really well and so it was we'll go here park here ride into here figure out you know the first year if we were going in and we had a said intention of camping somewhere but our horses were throwing fits. And so we camped, just, we stopped. And so we camped and that ended up being camp. And so, you know, and like set up and then the next morning we look and there's just like a eight foot tall ripped up cedar or whatever they tear up over there from a big old bowl, you know, at, at 15 feet from her tent door, you <laughs> know, all right, I'm guessing random then,
0: you know, <laughs> based off sign alone, right?
1: <laughs> right, you know, right. and it's just, you know, and what he did is he reached out to the local biologist and said, hey, you know, he was hunting in an area where the wolves came in, and they, they, I wouldn't say they wiped out so much as changed the patterns to where they're no longer receptive to calling, you know, for fear of being eaten by a pack of wolves, you know. Right. And so you're not getting the bugling, you're not getting the, you know, the experience as you may want to call it or whatever. So, But we go to this place and, like, it, it's just like a Primo's film. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. i am just so, my perception of it, because I went when we were really young with my old man and, like, I can remember sitting in a pasture and a herd of cattle come by me. And every one of them kind of stopped and looked up at me when they got in my wind stream, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, like comparing that to, I get this evolution of big buck hunting. And so yeah. now it's like my gear, you know, the Marina wool base layers, uh, you know, I'm just as nice and as, you know, they got the Eberly stock backpack, you know, like the frame pack and whatnot. And so just loaded for bear and just, got ready you know i hiked and exercised as much as i possibly could um and then rode the horses because at that point i i didn't like horses because they stepped on my feet (laughs) you know but it's like this is a means of transportation so me and you we got to get along right let's work
0: this out so so you went with your wife your soon-to-be wife's uncle he took you out there and basically popped your uh your western cherry so to speak yeah um that first year uh did so so you knew that he you went with someone who knew the area what was right. and, go ahead what was the uh, uh it like you're out there your first year i mean um, were you
1: so were it, you it all in? come down to
0: communication
1: oh yeah we were in them. Um, Bay day one so you talk about yeah. the fatigue in your legs so we get them horses out there and cj he didn't want to cross water i don't know why cj it's not a big let's go across water he's like no oh, not doing it <sighs> so i'm like dan i'll hike you ride your horse that's fine and so he's like no i can't do that so we park our horses in this spot and mark them with the gps and give them some graze and then up we go you know not exactly knowing where we're going and so we get about a third of the way up there and he lets out a cow call and we hear a bugle. Oh, all right. You know? And so we move up it was like a black hole cause we were never able to find this exact spot again. And we tried two, three times, yeah. but you know, he got in there and the cow calls again. And then there he goes, he bugles off in this dark timber, you know, like, all right. And so we get a little farther and I'm just standing there all lethargic. Cause I'm more out. I got my bow on my hip. And I look up, and there that bull is coming in sneaky as a mouse, standing at forty yards, just looking at me,, yeah. I'm like, oh whoa, whoa, my goodness, you know, and so from that point, it's like the communication between your caller and your shooter, you because know? there was so the next setup, we get set up in the saddle, and uh I'm you know, I was trying to video it at the time. And so I had my camera, i take my backpack off, i take my quiver off, and I'm getting my little nest made, you know. And it's like he started calling, right, you know, as I'm doing that. I look up, and there's a bull, 50 yards. Whoa, holy cow, you know. <laughs> and so I'm trying to grab my arrow and get it knocked and get it in there. And by the time I get drawn back, he'd step behind cover at 35 yards, you know. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, my goodness, you know. And then repeat that. Several times. You know, and so what it all comes down to is like have a communication between your caller and your shooter. Like, hey, I'm set up, you know, like a little chirp or an owl hoot, or you know, and be ready to shoot with your backpack on, be ready, to practice with your quiver on, you know, and just get so you're standing in front of something rather than behind. You know, and this I I you know, I listen to Western hunting podcast nonstops and that Corey Jacobson. And, Jake and Jason Phelps are on all over the place because they're just like the guys, you know. And that's they say that, you know. You stand behind something, you you automatically block yourself. Versus let your camel work and know that that bull isn't looking for you; he's looking for that cow that's talking behind, you know, and range everything that you can possibly range range that bush range that tree you know and figure out your circum like your circumference or whatever and just be ready because like no joke it's less than a minute from yeah. if that bull's within a half mile and you chirp and it's mostly satellite bulls I, you know thinking about it like i don't know have you heard of chris row Rowe hunting uh-huh. resources I think that'd be a good guy for you to try and get on your podcast because, uh, he's moved into the white tail management world and he's a real intellectual type of guy, but then there's another guy, the Paul something, the elk Nut, but he says there's a communication there. They are absolutely certain Mm -hmm. that every little noise that comes out of these elk means something, you know? And so thinking about it along that perspective, Yes, there was a hot cow with a herd bull, and yes, this was a satellite bull that everybody shot. You know, and so it's just the urgency. And I think Dan's so awesome at him because he gets that. You know, you know, just the real nasally rip. You know, (laughs) you know, like come over here right now. You know, and it just uh, it just it happens so, and they're so big. (laughs) <laughs> you look
0: at it you're like
1: oh my goodness look at the size of that animal
0: right like, <laughs> right so when you went out there um your your first year was a bust right you, I mean you were in him you're but you, he broke his leg so you had to you had to leave right right yep okay so let's talk about the second year that you went out did you go to the same area
1: yep same area moved camp Okay. Uh, we moved camp farther up at uh, our strategy, you know, playing off of what we had seen the year before. We knew that saddle was going to be super hot and we knew that whole general area, you know, yeah. so we get in and it's, you know, three four hour horse ride into where we got to go. We get camp set up and we got about an hour worth of light on the first day. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, let's just go down and check that thing out. So we go down there and I was going to practice my calls. And so Dan sets up 60 yards above me and I'm down below and I start chirping and I'll be, you know, there he is, <laughs> you know, tr- across the big Canyon. There's a bull, you know, he tr- bugles back and Dan, he's smart enough to know that he picks up the calling and I'm now I'm the shooter, you know? And so um moving along the front of this little knob and I'm trying to figure out where he's going to cross the creek. He can, and it's like I'm moving 30 yards, you know, and he can either come to the left or right, the wind's right. I'm good at, you know, the thermals are coming up the hill. And so he gets in and I hear him bugle and I sneak over and I kneel down, I look and there he is, you know, and it was steep enough that it went from a 20 yard range, 70 yard range. Like, I mean, right now, and I'm shaking so bad. I can't get the range on him, you know? And so I finally get him in, okay, 35 yards and this, like, no joke, is the biggest wild free-range animal I've ever seen. He dwarfed the bull I shot, and mine was just poping Young. Like, I was, like, yeah. he was glunking when he come in, had this big old muddy black mane hanging off of him. Like, <laughs> you know, his, like, sixes were 18 inches long. Like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it, you know. And then all of a sudden I felt the wind shift right on the back of my neck. Head went up off he went out of my life you know and we never called that bull in again and so the second morning we ride up from camp and uh we call in that valley behind the saddle and there's three bulls back there but nothing he calls three in for me but you know this is where the learning lesson like I should have moved that 60 yards that I was standing there contemplating you know it's like oh it's so steep uh you know I should have just been like fuck it and just, yeah. sorry, for the you know, but went right down in there, you know. And because if I had went to that first break, I'd have shot a bull, you know. And so we regrouped and decided we need to go back and get some water and come back and try this again. And so we get back up and we hike down this finger knowing because the wind's always at 10 o'clock, the wind switch. So you got the, in the morning, is going to want to go down the hill because the cold air, you know, and then as soon as you get the sun on it, It switches about 10 o'clock and it comes up the hill. So you got to get above these elk. And so we get above them and I'm in the exact same setup that on day two last year that I muffed that bull and Dan chirps that elk call. And then all of a sudden there I see antlers. Oh oh, oh, oh boy. You know, and I'd ranged everything around it. And this time I stood in front of the bush instead of behind the exact same bush, you know, and, uh, he comes in, he's 62 yards then I'd range and I pull back and I'm holding and I shoot and it went right over the top of his back. Oh. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you know, and he just jumped and turned and ran, you know, and Dan saw that and hit the out call and that bull stopped on a dime, turned around and come right to the exact same spot. And I just waylaid him. <laughs> he ran, 60 yards you know and I'm fumbling and I get my uh, elk call in my mouth and I chirp at him and he stops he turns
0: around he looks at me and he tips up over backwards
1: like, oh boy
0: <laughs> so at this point you had just shot and killed your first elk ever right ever. and Yep. and this was what, day two or day three into the hunt? Day, in the morning, it was about 11 o'clock on day two. Okay, day two. So, at this point, what was going through your head? Like, oh, my god, oh, I, I just shot an elk. Jacked.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it, you know. And, and where we was was steep enough that when we got to that bowl, he was laying on his back, and we yeah. rolled him over, and he rolled twice before he hit a tree and stopped. You know, I mean, it just... And so we got him in a workable position and yeah. then uh, went back and got the horses, went back to camp, uh, got everything that we needed, our game bags and knives, uh, the other horse that was back in camp. Yeah. And then we just took these horses down this ridge and I mean we were, parked them right at him, you know, and then did the gutless method and cut it along the top and skinned him back and then separated at the joints. Mm-hmm. And uh, took all the head and neck meat, took the tenderloins, the back straps, you know, the rib meat. And just uh, as we'd get a game bagged up, we tie it up in trees. And then once we got it all done, we loaded up the horses. And then Dan rode one, I rode
0: the other, and then had the third one on the back. And out we went. So you were able to to uh, get that bull out in one trip. Yes, Thank yep. God for thank God for horses, right?
1: Yeah, but you know, you listen to this—the elk nut, Paul Mendel, I think he is—and this guy is a wild, man. He is so jacked up on elk hunting. Like, if I can have that enthusiasm at sixty-two, like this old boy runs Exo Packs. And he's a mason, and if there's anything I've learned about masons that they're just tougher than nails, you know. <laughs> and so, him and his son—and this guy's sixty-two, one hundred and fifty-five pounds, soaking wet. They go in, they'll call bulls in, shoot them, break them down, and carry them out between the two of them, anywhere from two to five miles from the truck. It's like, you are an animal. Because I picked up a <laughs> rear quarter. and I'm pretty certain I herniated something inside of my belly. But, like, you know, like, it's like, just there's, you know, you get over it, and you look, and you think, this thing's bigger than my horse. Like, yeah. holy cow. And the musk oh man he just like musky you know like mud stuck to his underbelly from whizzing all over himself and you know and i figure he was a probably a four-year-old bull you know a three or four-year-old bull and so I just, it just it, i just shot a cow that you know i just shot anything i just wanted to shoot an elk yeah. and so to just go out there and shoot it was a six by six like if you walk, Do you know Born and Raised? Do you follow them at all?
0: I th- yeah, I think I've, I've heard of them before.
1: There's this guy, Trent Fisher, and I've only heard it through all these different podcasts, but they, these guys are animals, because right now they're on a 45-day elk hunt, five, like four states, six guys, and they all have tags. And so they're going 45 days straight and filming it, and it's called Land of the Free, and it's pretty cool to follow. But this guy, Trent Fisher, uh, has never killed a six-point bull. <laughs> He's killed, like, more five-point bulls than he can count. <laughs> He's never killed a six-point bull. And so I'm like, yes! <laughs> right off the gate! Here we go. You know, but... <laughs> the first year, I'm off the bowl really close, so... Like, this is a funny story. Like, we're at this crossing, and Danny's down below playing that out call, you know? And uh, I hear it. Oh, boy you know, and this is a perfect example of where I should have stood in front instead of behind, yeah. you know, but here comes this bull and he comes right down the hill at me and I pull my bow back and I look at him and I look and I'm not even looking through my peep sight. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and I move, move it up to where I'm on the peep sight and that bull sees me, stops, turns and runs, you know, I was like, oh, and I go, like <laughs> that. Try to get him to stop with your voice. <laughs> yeah, It <laughs> just let out like the the saddest little <laughs> 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 and he did that ball didn't stop, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't on. blame him. You know, but yeah, and he just oh, see ya. <laughs> I come down and Dan said, "What happened? You're white as a ghost, Dan. You wouldn't believe it." I messed it up, man, <laughs> yeah sad, you know' you don't get I mean it's just blessed to have an opportunity, you know, and so, like this year, like my old man's gone probably six times without yeah. seeing he's seen like maybe one or two, you know, but he like he he's gonna be a water hole hunter he he's not gonna yeah. you know, and so like dad, yeah, he gotta come with, and so this year he's coming, and so it's myself. Before it was just the two of us, and so it's myself and Dan and his son Tyler, and then my dad, and so there's four of us going back. So it's going to be a real special trip because, you know, like he's 66 this year. It's like shit, you know. It's you know, we can go next year. So yeah. let's do this, you know. And so I'm I'm pumped, and I you know hope just as much that he's successful as any of us are, you know, because it's like. It's a 5% success rate overall in the West, which yeah. like blows my mind. Cause you go in there and I'll describe my opinion. It's like, huh? you know, but I just like, I'm, I'm so spoiled by it. this guy. Just like gifted me an elk paradise, you know, cause he's 63 year. Like yeah. that last year, day five, he blew his knee out. <laughs> so here we go <laughs> back home again. Dan, I love you, man. I do. But we need to put you in a
0: bubble. Like. <laughs> so when do you take off for uh this next one this year
1: this next this coming thursday so the 7th of september and then returning on the 18th is the intentions so yeah well, and uh we're, we're gonna move camp this year i think we're gonna go like another three miles and so we're in more of a hub uh, so you right. have More foot accessible things for the old man, and so it's, um, you know, the most stressful part about the whole deal was the pack in and the pack out. Like you get them horses loaded down, and then you get them jostling on the trail, and then they'll start to shift the weight. Will and so, like, I think learned enough that you gotta like almost do a trial run. Yeah. Get your panniers, get all your gear, weigh your gear figure out what goes on what side like you see all these boys running pack llamas now and stuff and you ever heard of pack goats yeah <laughs> like, i've seen they, they just follow you around while you're on the mountain and you're hunting with these goats grazing all around you <laughs> it that's crazy know. Isn't but, it? you know what's, what's cool about goats and llamas is they don't need water you know so you can go up on these big high country mule deer hunts where you're gonna find a spring on day three maybe you know and so, it, uh, they're very. But you can't ride a llama, right? And so gotta be in shape. Give
0: or take, give or take. It is,
1: and but you know, but they're kind of like pets. Apparently. I I don't know. I'm not gonna get a llama. I got horses. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. right. But there's no walk in the park with horses either. You know, them things that eat nonstop, and they require year-round maintenance, and like I don't know if this is appropriate, but we had a our, our stud horse got an abscess on his ding, you know, and yeah. so we had to bring in this vet, and this happens to be she's a pretty good looking woman, you know, and so Jesus, she's like was... just <laughs> so she's just like busting out all these horse dong like dirty jokes, like it's just <laughs> pretty funny, <laughs> really like you're pretty cool <laughs> well that's a first
0: that's a first for this podcast right <laughs> well i tell you what man um... i'm
1: glad i can make a watermark for you there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: absolutely well i tell you gary man uh good luck that not only Thank uh you. not only in idaho but uh at the home farm too this year yeah
1: yeah it's there's so much to look forward to That like the anticipation it, it's just, I can't imagine. Like I, I'm just a magnet for it. That's all I want. That's all I want to yeah. think about. Like and I want everybody around me to be involved with it. You know, let's right. let's all enjoy this together. <laughs> you know, cause yeah. I'd like, I don't know the experience in general is pretty awesome, but the, the feeling of accomplishment to go out there and like accomplish the objective, you know, like we're going there to elk hunt. Yes, and it's beautiful and I'm gonna soak it all in, but I want to bring home elk backstraps because they are delicious. And so, you know, like, and to be able to do that and then it's just so humbling to to stand over this animal. And even at home, you know, to like, if a guy wanted to tag out and it's the same for you, we could be done on day one, yeah. you know, and and be, have a, a good representative of the species, but it's all about time in the field. I want as much as I can digest, you know, and that I can put strain on the family without them killing me, you know, and so... Absolutely. Just, and i just want everybody else to you know to understand that and enjoy i don't know how much the non-hunting uh, population listens to these types of podcasts but i just wish they could understand the passion associated with all of us <laughs> you know
0: and there you have it another podcast in the books huge shout out to gary for taking time out of his day to come on and chat with us bs with us a little bit huge shout out to all of you for downloading spread the word spread the word spread the word about this podcast and huge shout out to all of the partners of this podcast ozonics gearhead wasp exodus ripcord deer lab bighorn outfitters lone wolf tree stands wasp archery ripcord arrow rests and i think that's it uh thank you guys and deer lab Thank you guys very much for your support. Please go out and support uh, the companies that support this podcast, especially Ozonics and Deer Lab right now. Those companies have directly been affected by the hurricane and uh, actually the owner of Deer Lab just today sent me a picture uh, out of Florida of, his, of a giant tree through his house. So uh, a lot of people have been affected by that. Send good vibes out there in the atmosphere for, the, for them. And uh, hopefully everybody has a good rest of the week. I'm looking forward to putting out more content. If you haven't already, go to iTunes or wherever you get these podcasts. The, app, the podcast app, the Podbean app. Uh, any app that uh, can download podcast and subscribe to this podcast. That way you'll get it automatically uh, every week. And other than that, check me out on social media, man. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, a lot of cool stuff going through the social media platforms. And I think that's it, guys. Season The hunting season is here for a lot of states. So please, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.
1: Thank you.